Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Let me tell you about Christian Community Credit Union's new Cash Rewards Visa credit card. It has many of the perks you'd expect with typical reward cards. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, plus a $200 bonus when you spend $750 in the first three months. But what makes this Cash Rewards Visa different from typical credit cards is that when you use it, you're also giving back to Christian charities. As a nonprofit, revenue generated by using the card goes to building and expanding churches, spreading the good news of Jesus to remote areas, providing disaster relief, giving hope to vulnerable children, ending modern slavery and human trafficking, and so much more. To learn more about Christian Community Credit Union's world-class cash rewards visa, please visit myccu.com slash c-suite. Again, that's myccu.com slash c-suite. Proud to announce that a new group of Christian executives started meeting on Wednesday, June 7th, and this group is looking for additional members. Be the first and only from your industry to join the group. To learn more, visit fuelingsales.com and click on the Nehemiah Groups tab. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. It is a blessing to have you join us here today. We got a great episode lined up here for you. Our guest of honor today is none other than Al Tim. In addition to being a prominent member of the C-Suite for Christ ministry, Al is also the owner of TFM Benefit Group. Just a fantastic person, lots of wisdom in his skull, and he's going to be sharing some of that with us coming up here later in the program. But hey, one of the things that I just want to let you know is we're not just a podcast, although we appreciate you listening, although we appreciate the success of this podcast, praise God, we're in the top 5% of all podcasts on earth, according to Listen Score. Listen Score is a website publicly available information what they do is they track downloads they track subscribers they track minutes listened consecutive minutes listened etc and again praise god we are in the top five percent of all podcasts in the world so special thank you to you for listening for subscribing for sharing our podcast with other people we really do appreciate that but we are also an international ministry there are thousands of christian business executives associated with us from all over the world. We just announced this morning on social media that we've planted yet another chapter of the C-Suite for Christ ministry. We are now in Washington, D.C., and boy, does the nation's capital need more Christ or what? So if you're listening to us in the Maryland, Virginia, or Washington, D.C. area, just know that we have a chapter ready for you now that you can join. But the reason I'm saying all this is in addition to listening to the podcast, which we certainly appreciate, if you go to our website, which is csuiteforchrist.com, you can become an official member of our ministry. You can attend some of our weekly ministry offerings. You can submit a prayer request. You can follow us on social media. You can watch some of our the content that we create. And boy, we create a lot of it. But whatever you do, do something, because we're better together, we're stronger together, and we will cover the world in Christ together. If you've listened to this program at all in the past, you'll know that I love to talk about my kids. Now, I have a lot of hats on my head. I have a lot of titles associated 
with my name, but the one that I wear with the most amount of pride is the title of dad. Just love being a dad. I've got three children, my 10-year-old son, Kennedy, my eight-year-old son, Hudson, and my six-year-old baby girl, Regan. Now, one of the things that I've started to learn about my sons, again, I love my kids all the same. If you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, you, you certainly understand what I'm saying. You don't play favorites. I love all my kids the same, but my boys, maybe they're taking after me to some degree, but my boys are very entrepreneurial. So I own several businesses in addition to being the founder of the C-Suite for Christ ministry. And being entrepreneurial, I'm always thinking, I'm always looking for new things, new opportunities, new ideas. Now, my world does not revolve around money. Far from it. Money is not very important to me. I, I need it to pay the bills, obviously. But if I don't become a rich person, that's fine. I, I just want to make sure that I can provide a comfortable life for my family. But as a as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's self-employed, as somebody who owns a number of different businesses, I'm always looking for different ways to make money. You know, how, how do I how do I monetize something? Like this isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. How do I monetize my ideas? How do I monetize my services? How do I monetize uh, you know, the the various value add propositions that I can bring to the business world? And I think my kids are picking up on that. You know, my kids are starting to get to the age now where they're doing the lemonade stands, where they're saying, dad, I'll, I'll help you around the office if you give me five bucks. Or dad, can I do some chores for you? Maybe in exchange for some financial compensation. And to the kids' credit, they're using that money to buy stuff. It, it, it's, it's not like they're just, you know, throwing it away or, or, or not understanding the value of money. If, if they want something, Rather than going to mom and dad, dad, can you give me money for this toy or can you give me money for this video game? It's, hey, how do I make money so that I can buy that, which is actually a good thing. I'm, I'm glad they're looking at life that way. They know they need to earn money to buy things. They're not entitled to anything. My kids certainly are not spoiled by any means. If I want this video game or if I want this uh, this object, I really need to do something to make the money to get it, which, again, I'm, I'm very happy with. I forget what it was specifically. I guess it really doesn't matter. But my oldest son was wanting to buy something that was a little bit more expensive. I, I have to imagine it's around Roblox. I mean, have you heard of this game before I me? Mean, Roblox is like the biggest thing in the world right now. All my kids are playing Roblox, all of them. And boy, what a... I, I don't want to use the word scheme necessarily because I'm, I'm sure Roblox is bringing value to people. I'm sure it's bringing happiness to people. But what a scheme this Roblox thing is, because apparently, you know, if, if you want to get these eggs or if you want to get these animals or if you want to get these weapons, you need Roblox bucks. So what you, you know, the kids ask their parents, hey, can you get me Roblox bucks? So you go to like a video game store, a GameStop, a Best Buy, something like that, and you, you buy $30 worth of Roblox bucks, and then they go and they buy these weapons or these animals or whatever. I, I wish I would have thought of that. It seems like a pretty brilliant idea if you're trying to make money in some way, shape, or form. But again, I forget what it was, but I I'm, I'm have to imagine it was Roblox. Kennedy wanted that money. Kennedy didn't have a lot of money. And again, we all make mistakes. We live in a broken, fallen world. Thanks to original sin, we, we do things that we're not supposed to do. And Kennedy, rather than working for it, rather than coming to mom and dad, hey, do you have any chores? What can I do? Kennedy promptly went into Hudson's drawer, took out his wallet, and stole 20 bucks. Now, we didn't know that right away. Kennedy gave his mother, my wife, Tanya, the $20 bill. Hey, can you buy these Roblox bucks? Again, my wife and I, we don't have an accounting of our kids' wallets. We don't necessarily know what's in there. Half the time, we don't even know where their wallets are because they're pretty good at hiding them. We we trust our children. Okay, Kennedy gave me 20 bucks. Sure, here's the Roblox bucks. A couple days later, a week later, whatever, Hudson wanted to buy something. Hudson is, not to say that Kennedy's not. But Hudson is extremely meticulous. I mean, he's a, a borderline straight-A student heading into fourth grade. He doesn't get the smarts from me, I can tell you that. 
He goes into his wallet. I mean, he knows exactly how much money he has. He knows how many paper dollars are in his wallet. He knows how many coins are in his piggy bank. He goes into his wallet knowing that I have exactly $42.63. He goes into his wallet and he realizes I'm missing 20 bucks. Well, Hudson doesn't carry his wallet around with him all the time. He keeps it in a pretty safe spot. Again, Hudson's very meticulous. He knows what he's buying and when. Where's that $20? Why am I missing $20? He goes to mom and dad. We don't know. So we started to say, is it possible that one of our kids stole it from Hudson? Kennedy's a little spunky. Kennedy, uh, again, we love him to death. We love all our kids the same. But if you were to tell me one of your three kids, like if, if it's our school calling, the school principal, hey, one of your kids is in the principal's office, Tanya and I would immediately say it's got to be Kennedy. Again, we, we love him. He's a great kid. He's got so many traits that I admire. But he goes to the beat of his own drum. He's uh, not afraid to go outside the lines. And from time to time, that gets him into trouble. So we talked to Kennedy, and eventually he admits Yes, I stole that $20. Obviously, there was a punishment that followed. Obviously, this was a learning opportunity. Obviously, we were none too happy. And obviously, this was something that we aspired to correct so it never happened again. But it got me on that topic of stealing. There is no positive connotation that can possibly be associated with the word stealing. I guess maybe if you say to like your wife or your significant other or your spouse, oh, you stole my heart when you smiled at me, which my wife has never said. But maybe in that you stole my heart. Maybe you, you, you stole my breath when you walked into the room. I, I guess maybe that possibly. But when somebody says you stole from me, I stole that. Hey, stop. That's stealing 99.9995% of the time. Stealing has a negative connotation. And I guess I just want to ask you here today, what has somebody stole from you? Maybe it was recent. Maybe it was something in the past. But what is something that somebody stole from you maybe they physically stole an item maybe they maybe they stole your innocence maybe they stole an opportunity maybe they stole your trust to some degree but i want you really to think about that what what is something in your life that somebody has stolen from you maybe it's recent maybe it's something that happened in the past I, I can tell you something that kind of comes to my mind specifically with respect to this notion of stealing. So I was, gosh, I am not going to remember all of the exact details, but when I graduated from college, my, uh, when I was a senior in college, my goal was to be an orthopedic surgeon. I, I thought being the, um, being the orthopedic surgeon of the green Bay Packers would be a pretty stellar job. Needless to say, it, didn't happen. I, I think I was giving myself too much credit in, in the smarts department, as they might say in Boston. But when I graduated for a story that I won't go into, uh, somebody convinced me to, to take a year off before I go to medical school. I, I'm, I'm just an outgoing person. Once in a while, I can be somewhat charismatic. I like I was good at raising money. I did it. I did it for a couple of years as a student phone-a-thon caller. So I started to work full time in the Ripon College Advancement Office. And I, I remember as, as time went on, I was a pretty low-level grunt. I was the assistant director of the annual fund. But I just, I, I again, maybe that's that entrepreneurial mindset, but I, I just have a lot of ideas. And I, I talk fast, but my mind goes about 10 times faster than my mouth, if you can believe that. So I'm always thinking, always dreaming, always analyzing. I, I just, it, it's a gift from God, I suppose, but I see opportunities where most people don't. And I remember one of the things that we were doing. So I was involved in a lot of stuff. You know, we, we sent out mailings, we did phonathons, we did uh, email campaigns. There were uh, like, like the, the, the PayPal and text to donate where we're starting to come into vogue at that point. And I, I'm not going to go into all the details. I just remember. I had an idea to optimize efficiency. It, it just seemed like we were spending a lot on paper. We were doing very laborious things, like all these letters. And I, I just remember I had this idea, 
in terms of how we can utilize technology to optimize and streamline this process a little bit more. We had a pretty big team in that advancement office, and I remember sharing it, not with my direct boss or my direct supervisor, but I remembered sharing that idea with somebody in the alumni relations department. And again, I don't have their permission to tell the story, and it's not very flattering for them, which is why I'm trying to be sort of vague here. And I just told her while we were stuffing envelopes one day, she was helping me. I just said, I'll call her Sue. I just said, gosh, Sue. I mean, doesn't it just seem like we're spending a lot of time doing this? Doesn't it just seem like we're 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 wasting hours after hours when we could be doing, you know, going after bigger fish or doing something from a technological perspective where we can meet more people? And and she said, Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. We've been doing it this way for a couple of years, however. And I said, What if we did this? And I went blah 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 blah, and I told her my idea. She loved it. She that's a great idea. Hey, you you know you you got to tell our boss who are uh, 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 the vice president of advancement at that time. I said, okay, I'll do that. Got busy, forgot about it. So about a week or two later at one of our staff meetings, there is something to our VP's credit. On the bottom of the agenda, there was always a new business category. Anything new for the good of the group. I get, for whatever reason, I, did, I just thought of, I didn't think about it. I, I didn't think to share it. Got busy, out of sight, out of mind. And then this gal in alumni relations, we'll call her Sue, just kind of spoke up. And she said, I got an, I, there's something I want to talk about. You know, it's um, we, we've been doing these class letters and these alumni relations stuff, uh, you know, kind of this this laborious way for quite a while. It might make sense if we do blah, 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 blah. Just shared the idea and the VP loved it. Oh, Sue, that's a great idea. Oh, it's, it's so wonderful that you came up with this. Oh, that, that, that that's outstanding. I'm going to talk to the president of the university or the college at that time, because it was one of those things that, uh, that there was some aspect of this that required higher level involvement and just went on and on. Sue, great idea. Sue had the opportunity to say, well, that was Paul's idea. Sue had the opportunity to say, well, thank you, but Paul deserves some credit too. After all, it was his idea. Never did. And I don't want to be that guy that says, well, Sue, that was my idea. It makes me look small. How can you prove it? He said versus she said. Now, they didn't adopt everything that she brought up in its entirety, but they adopted several of those aspects. A little bit while later, Sue got promoted to leading the alumni department. I don't know if it's all in all or in part because of that idea. But she never once publicly gave me credit. She never once went to the VP of advancement and said that was Paul's idea. And that hurt our relationship thereafter. She stole my idea. She benefited from this idea. I think in part she got a promotion because of this idea. In part she got some money because of this idea. It was infuriating to me. It created a lot of resentment in our relationship. It it made me less likely to share stuff with individuals in the office, I think to some degree it hurt the corporate culture. And about a year or so down the road, I left for a new opportunity. It's not fun when people steal stuff from you, whether they steal $20 out of your wallet, whether they steal your idea, whether they steal your spouse, whether they steal your innocence, whether they steal anything that otherwise belongs to you. It is not fun, but I think to some degree, When it comes to stealing, we have some skin in the game. I could have spoken up. I could have intervened. I could have talked to the vice president. I could have confronted Sue. I could have done a couple of things about that. Now, I couldn't couldn't control her from stealing, but I might have been able to do something about that. From a faith perspective, when it comes to stealing... I wonder why so many of us let Satan and his schemes and his lies, why do we let Satan continually steal from us? If we go back to this example of Sue, sure, maybe I could have spoken up. Sure, maybe I could have said, hey, wait a minute. Maybe I could have talked to the vice president. I don't know how much good that would have done, but at the end of the day, Sue stole from me. Now, I think one of the things that came from that 
is I became more guarded around her. I I didn't share as much around her. I didn't trust her as much, which I think would make sense when somebody steals from you. I started to protect myself a little bit more. When it comes to Satan, however, we're not very quick to protect ourselves from his schemes once he steals from us. We go back to Satan. We listen to Satan. We trust Satan. We say, thank you, sir. Can I have another to Satan? And he continually steals from us every single day. Satan steals your happiness. Satan steals your joy. Satan steals your potential. Satan steals the gifts that God gave you. Satan steals your opportunities. Satan steals your rest. The thing about him, though, and I hate to say this, but it's true, he is exceptionally clever, and we don't necessarily understand or realize what's going on until it's too late. That doubt in your brain, oh, you're not good enough for this. Oh, you're never going to make this work. Oh, you kind of suck. You know that? That's not a random thought. That's Satan whispering in your ear. That fear that you get, the fear of doing a presentation. You want to start a business, but you're a little scared to go outside of your comfort zone. You see a a good-looking man or a woman, and you want to ask him or her out on a date, but that fear keeps you from doing so. You want to make an investment in a product, an investment in a service, an investment in yourself, but you're thinking, oh, what if this doesn't work and now I'm out of money? That fear is from Satan. That doubt is from Satan. That anxiety is from Satan. That depression is from Satan. That loneliness is from Satan. That voice in your head that keeps saying how you're not good enough, you're not talented enough, you're not pretty enough, you don't make enough money, this will never work. Those are things that come from Satan, and those are designed to keep you from realizing God's full potential for you. Because if you realize God's full potential for you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be happy. Satan can't have that. You're going to have joy. Satan can't have that. You're going to have a high quality life. Satan can't have that. You're going to realize God's plans to prosper you and give you a future. Satan can't have that. He's continually stealing from you Every single minute of every single hour of every single day. That's bad enough. But what makes it worse is we let him do it. I'd really love to get up there and give a five-minute talk during our upcoming sales meeting. I've got some really good ideas. I think this is going to benefit the company. Plus, it's going to make me look good and curry favor with the boss. Uh, What if they laugh at me? Uh, What if it falls flat? Uh, what if a booger comes out of my nose when I'm up there? Nah, I won't do it. That's Satan recognizing, uh-oh, you're on the cusp of an opportunity. Uh-oh, you're on the cusp of standing out. Uh-oh, you're on the cusp of doing something good, utilizing your God-given talents and abilities. Satan can't have that. Better inject some fear. Better inject some doubt. Better inject a rapid heart rate. Better inject just some poisonous words going through that person's mind. Here at C-Suite for Christ, we don't trust the human word. We trust the holy word. And this is straight out of scripture. If you look at John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. I, being Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, in society... We'll keep it as simple as possible. Every day that you get up, every day that you go to the office, every day that you have breath in your lungs, it is a war of good and evil. Light versus dark, that's it. Black and white. Every day. You have one or the other. What what, what is totally true, and and nobody can uh, prove otherwise, Light and darkness cannot coexist at the same time. You have one or you have the other. If you're in a light room, 
it vanquishes the darkness. If you have a dark room, it envelops the light. You, you can't have light and dark at the same time. It's one or the other. Something is either of God or not of God. If it's not of God, it's of the darkness. And if it's of the darkness, it's of Satan. You, you don't have any other choice in the matter. It's one or the other. So if you're not doing things of God, if you're not saying things of God, if you're not living life of God, you're doing things of Satan of the dark side, sin or not sin. Those voices in your head, the thoughts that pop into your head, the words that run through your brain from time to time, they're either of God or not of God. Very simple. So if you're saying things that are not of God, if you're doing things that are not of God, if you're listening to the voices that are not of God, that all comes from the thief. Anything that has to do with the thief, anything that has to do with Satan, anything that has to do with the darkness is only there to steal, to kill, and destroy. Secular society is designed to steal from you, is designed to kill your soul, and is designed to destroy your future. It's as simple as that. If it's not of God, it's all about stealing, killing, and destroying. If you're in a season of your life right now where you're just miserable, you're not happy, you feel like you're stuck in a rut, you're not sleeping well, you've got chronic anxiety... Sure, there might be some other factors at play here, but if you have all that stuff going on, my question for you is, how much time are you spending in the light? How much time are you invested in things of this world? How often are you giving in to the desires of the flesh? How often are you turning to things that are not of God? And I think with just about zero exceptions, the answer would be a lot. If you're in the light, if you're connected with God, that doesn't mean your life is perfect. That doesn't mean you don't have any pain. That doesn't mean you don't have any struggles. That doesn't mean you don't have any challenges. Far from it. But if, if you show me a 100 people that are just in a terrible spot in their life, their world is falling apart all around them. They're barely able to function. They don't want to get out of bed. I would tell you just about all of them are spending too much time in the darkness. I'm too busy to go to church. I'm too busy to read the scriptures. I'm too busy to join the Bible study. I'm too busy to go to the C-Suite for Christ monthly gathering. Fine, but you reap what you sow. And if you're reaping darkness, you're going to get darkness. It's as simple as that. Again, on the flip side now, I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John chapter 10, verse 10. If you're somebody who says prayers first thing in the morning, prayers of thankfulness, even if things aren't going your way. If you're somebody who obeys God's commandments and follows his law in the scriptures, if you're somebody who humbles themselves throughout the day, we must humble them ourselves so that he may be exalted. If you're somebody, even if it's five minutes a day, spend some time in scripture, reading God's word, if you're somebody, pretty much to, to sum Christianity up, love God, love others, if you do that throughout the day, and then maybe before you go to bed, you say a quick little prayer, shut off the lights, go to bed. All of that, you go to church on a fairly regular basis, maybe fellowship once in a while with some top Christians, uh, people in your life. If you do that stuff all day, every day, I guarantee you, you're going to have less problems. I guarantee you, you're not going to have the same emotional turmoil. I guarantee you, you're just going to be a happier person with more joy, not because of any kind of mental gymnastics, not because of the placebo effect, not because of anything that I'm telling you, because it says that in scripture, because you are spending time in the light. You are spending time with Jesus. You are not spending time with the thief. You're spending time with the giver. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You spend time with Jesus, 
he's going to give you life. You spend time with Jesus. He's not just going to give you life. He's going to give it to the give it to you to the full. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a millionaire. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a beauty model. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the president of your company. It just means you're going to enjoy life. You're going to have a high quality life, whatever God has in store for you. You're going to be rested. You're going to have happiness. You're going to have joy. You're not just going to be surviving. You're going to be thriving because that's what Jesus does. We know the enemy is a stealer, is a killer, is a destroyer because it says it in Scripture. Not because Newberger said it. It's because it's in Scripture. Satan's not going to change. He's not all of a sudden going to become a good guy. He's not all of a sudden going to forget, why am I here? Oh, maybe I'll just be nice to people. No, that that ain't going to happen. Satan is who Satan is. You and I, however, need to stop listening to him, need to stop going to him, need to stop buying the lies that he tells us on an ongoing regular basis. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, I guess, as the old saying goes. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't want you to have your happiness stolen. I don't want you to have opportunities stolen. I don't want you to have your God-given potential stolen. So stop listening to Satan. Stop spending time on the dark side and start embracing Jesus, start embracing the light, start embracing the giver of all things, and watch how the quality of your life just reaches heights you never thought imaginable. I'll tell you, from a professional side, my businesses have reached heights I never thought imaginable. And the majority of that credit goes to Tom Feldhusen. Tom is a um, is an executive advisor. He's somebody that I've worked with very closely over the last couple of years. He has guided my businesses. He has provided world-class advice in a consultative capacity. But I think one of the things that makes Tom Feldhusen so incredibly special is his expertise is on my most important assets, which are my people. Do I have the right people? Are they in the right positions? If I'm looking to bring on some additional people, who would be a good culture fit? Who would be a good culture enhancer? It's very easy to fool somebody in an interview. It's very easy to fool somebody on a resume. It's very easy to to say, wow, this person is outstanding. You plug them into your organization within a couple weeks. You're like, who is this person? This isn't who I hired. Thankfully, I've got my secret weapon, culture, uh, Tom Feldhusen, executive advisor. And he can certainly help you in your business if only you give him a quick call. His phone number is 262-305-2502. Call Tom Feldhusen today and watch your organization reach new heights. We're going to be right back with our interview with Al Tim. Don't go anywhere. Need a trade show display? A lobby renovation? Heck, how about help with an event that you're hosting? Captivate Exhibits can do it all. Plus, they're an outspoken faith-based organization that puts Christ first in all that they do. Ready to captivate the attention of the masses? Then check them out today at CaptivateExhibits.com. That's CaptivateExhibits.com. And welcome back, everybody. Getting very excited because we're about 62.4 seconds away from our guest of honor, Al Tim, C-Suite for Christ member. And got to be honest, one of my favorite people. And I think you're going to see why here in a moment. But one of the things that I want to challenge you all on is the content that you hear today on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Please don't keep this a secret. We don't have all the answers here. We, we, we don't know necessarily where true north is necessarily. We, we know we're following God. We know what God tells us to do, but you know we, we can't unravel all the mysteries of scripture. But some of the things that we're going to talk about, maybe there's one nugget of information or two 
that really resonates with you. If you like the content of this podcast and you're thinking, gosh, I've got family members, friends, coworkers, community members, whomever that could really benefit from this content, we would ask you to prayerfully consider sharing that. Remember, there is this little thing called the Great Commission. It ain't the Great Suggestion, nor is it the Great Recommendation. We don't have a choice in the matter, folks. We need to tell the world about God, and we need to try to bring as many people to Him as possible, and this podcast is one way to do that. So if you want to share it on social media, we would encourage that. If you want to email it to a couple of people, text it to your BFFFF, however many Fs are in that nowadays, feel free to do that. Or again, what is the one or two things that Al tells you? What are the one or two things that came up in the monologue that you can start to adopt in your life? But whatever you do, do something because we're better together, we're stronger together, and boy, howdy, we're going to cover the world in Christ together. One of the people who's joined me in this effort to cover the world in Christ is uh, Al Tim. Now, again, now this is a audio podcast. So if, if you're not one of the people that has been blessed to meet this remarkable man, I always tell him he looks like a mafioso. You know, when he shows up monthly, he's got like this overcoat. I mean, he looks like the Don. So uh, I've started to call him the Christian Corleone. So if you hear me saying that, you know a little bit why. But uh, he's my brother in Christ. I love him. And uh, Al Tim is joining us here today. Brother Al, how are you, sir? I am well, thank you. All is well with God. Always well, good to see you and hear from you. Amen, sir. I appreciate that. And yeah, we've got uh, some big stuff to discuss here today. And as you know, Al, we're going deep in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, which again says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, Al, to get us going here, what does John chapter 10, verse 10 mean to you specifically? Well, to me, it means that no matter what the devil is attempting to do, to kill, to kill, to steal, to destroy, Jesus is there to get us out of the mess that the attractions of the devil with which he will kill, steal, and kill, destroy us, those attractions, Jesus will get the attraction back to him, through him. He has come to get us out of the rat hole. He has come to get us out of the pit, like Joseph. The shepherd boy, he got him out. He is there for you and me. And what it means is not just the riches of the world, eh, secular, but it means much deeper is that he cares his love, unwavering, the truest love you can feel and own. He will share with you and he will have you in a state of just surrender willingly to his way. He has come to give us the life eternal, not just abundance and financial, the worldly things. Yes, it's good to have those. We work for those. We thrive. But to focus the real meaning that he is all. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And when he becomes the Alpha and Omega in my life, in your life, things change. As we shed off and throw off the old Adam died and following him, not just the life that he gives us and thank you and we move on, with our sinful old Adam. No, old Adam's dead. But he's the life. He's the gift. The one we can trust. We can have faith in. Deeper than just financial. But the eternal. The prize. And become like-minded in Christ. Following. Repenting. And going forth with him because he is the light of the world. That's more meaningful to me than the worldly. Many people look at it. Oh, look at the financial. No, 
It's deeper than that. He's giving us the opportunity. And he's given us the choice. Yeah, he convicts us along the way. Yeah, he gives us the trial and tribulations along the way. They're promised. But you know what? Did you ever become perfected or automatically be a win first place, get the trophy without being trained, without being developed, without learning? And that's what the, the trials and tribulations. I hate do-overs because, yeah, if we don't learn the first time, like in my former life or my before I retired, passing state and federal exams wasn't always easy. I hated do-overs. But to hear his hands are always there, reaching for us. We stumble in life sometimes, at least. And he is there always. He'll never turn his back on us. We turn our back away because of the attractions of the devil for a moment, maybe for an evening, our lusts, whatever they may be, it causes the distraction for a life hereafter. What a prize to miss. Well, so that's my value on how I look at John 10. Steal, kill, and destroy. But hallelujah for Christ. He cares well, for us. He's come down. He's yeah. gone down into the hell and came back with the keys. The well, opportunity. Amen. Go forth. Amen to hallelujah. that. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of real good stuff to unpack here. And one of the things that uh, when I look at John chapter 10, verse 10, one of the words that jumps out to me is that word thieves. Now, obviously, one of the, the individuals, the entities that we point to is Satan, is the devil. But I would also argue mm -hmm. that there's a lot of things in our life today that could be described as thieves. These are things that steal our happiness. These are things that destroy our souls. These are the things that rob us of potentially fulfilling our true God-given potential. What would you say, Al, are some of those thieves that we encounter in society today? And what can we do to maybe ensure that those, uh, those entities aren't stealing our happiness from us? That's a good question. The devil goes to and fro, and God saw him going to and fro, saying, hey, Satan, what are you doing? I'm going to and fro as he growls like a lion to see who I can devour. That's his job. And I called him, his little henchmen, the incompoops, that don't matter. One-third of the angels fell, fallen angels, to cause havoc with people like you and me and anybody that wants to go with Christ. The entrapment of life, it could be music, it could be financial, it could be lusting at gambling, lusting after women. Yes, men have weaknesses, but God always gives us an avenue, a way of escape, because he's not tempting us. It's the devil tempting us. And for us to reach out, when we get perhaps a thought, a fleeting thought, that's all the devil does. A little bit here, a little bit there, and pretty soon you get entangled in a web. There are five gates that we have that we must control, take control over in our mind. Because in our mind, those five gates in our mind are seeing. Seeing something or someone might give us a temptation, a taste, alcohol, excess, uh, um, gosh, chocolate cake, black chocolate. My lo wife loves it. Excess, touching, smelling. 
the aromas and then hearing through our media 24-7, pounding at the people, at the senses, to take them off the track of Christ, the enticements momentarily lose eternity forever. It's, we're surrounded, but hallelujah, through the strength and the faith and that love that God has for us. It's awesome. He will never forsake us. He will get us out of that miry clay. And he even takes us just like the potter's wheel, if you will, to form a vase, to form an instrument, whatever it is, to make it beautiful. And when the potter sees as the wheel keeps turning, he keeps smoothing this edge and roughening out that. God is doing the same in our life until he sees that perfected image that you and I don't see because he knows you are my end from the beginning because he predestined us before the foundation of the earth. All oh, the mysteries of godliness. And he doesn't lead, let us see all of it because he's got to prepare us, test us, and have us walk through the trials and tribulations to prepare us for that final ultimate prize with him. Well, So the and, temptations are daily. Yeah, and, well, and Al, one of the things that I would say yeah, from one businessman to another one of my favorite uh, business quotes is from Steve Jobs, Apple founder, who had said that um, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And, and, and I think there's a lot of truth to that, just, just keeping things really, really simple. And I am amazed at just how simple and straightforward this verse is. I mean, it lays it out in very stark terms for us. Basically, you choose Jesus, you get life. If you don't choose Jesus, you get death. Pr pretty straightforward, Amen. pretty simple. So here, here's my follow-up question for you, and I go, this is probably in the easier said than done category, but although this seems extremely straightforward, Jesus, life, non-Jesus, death, why do so many people still have so much difficulty in choosing Jesus? It's laid out right there. It's black and white. It couldn't be any more simple than that, yet so many people out there still have a difficult time choosing Jesus. Why do you think that is? One of the reasons, good questions, it can go deep. But one of the reasons we, should, we have to look at ourselves. We have to have a self-talk, if you will. I call it a mirror talk. And say, where am I at? People, I think at times, they think they're already too far down the road with the enticement of the world, these things that we see every day, people get wrapped up. Oh, no, I'm not ready. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. They get tangled up in the world. I look at it, an example, if I may just take a moment. I, I enjoy fishing. And I enjoy the feast of a, a fish, a, uh, oh, a fish fry up in Canada, shore lunch. That is awesome. Better than any steak you can have. I'll have my fish fry, Canada fish fry. Awesome. I had to sure catch it. But you know what? When I get that hook into the grab, the fish grabs it. He's not ready for me to be consumed a great feast. I, he keeps tugging to get away. And I keep tugging to pull him in. So it's a bit tug and tug back and forth. Until I reel them in. And all of a sudden, the, the fish goes kind of you know, limp, gets tired. And I bring them into the net. And I still can't eat them. I caught them. But yet, I have to prepare them. I have to scale them. Or I have to fillet them. And just so that preparing them then for the feast to enjoy. Within the frying pan over an open fire with the seeding on it and everything before 
I can really sit back and enjoy that feast. So people look at themselves. They're out there, uh, perhaps already swallowing the hook, if you will, or nibbling on it a little bit here, a little bit there. And it, they feel, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Until finally they come into the net. They come into the wisdom and understanding through the book. It's not the Bible. The Bible, you know what it stands for? It's the basic book before life hereafter acronym. And we need to study that book. We need to, if we are not in a church that teaches and the pastor opens the word the way it should be opened to the people as it is written, if they don't have that, change your church where you can let your spiritual strength, your spiritual food, God's honest and truthful word. So the fish on the line, many people are struggling. Oh, no, he'll never want me. He'll never want me. Yeah, God will take you wherever you are. That's the awesomeness of God. His arms are open, ready for you. Just come to him. He is waiting. And in the process, by taking that invitation and then opening that Bible, get the dust off the cover and look at it and start reading, not just the New Testament, because the Old Testament is the foundation and the foretelling of things to come. You cannot build a skyscraper without the foundation. Your strength in the God's word will develop as you read what has happened in the Old Testament, how it intertwines, and it opens up to you, becomes part of your life and the joy. Wow, he's accepted me a sinner. Well, God it, loves all sinners. Y yes, he does. And I think but one of the things. Sin. Right. And I think one of the things that you said is we're uh, about the two minute warning here with respect to our conversation. Time sure okay. flies when I'm talking to you, Al. That's for darn sure. But but I, I think what you're talking about uh, with the, the C word convicting, I think that's one of the most important thing any church can do, any Bible study can do. Uh, yes. I have really tried to make sure that C-Suite for Christ kicks comfortable Christianity to the curb. Comfortable Christianity doesn't help anybody. And in fact, what, one of the best compliments I think we get from time to time with respect to this podcast, somebody will email me or text me or whatever and say, Paul, that was a tough episode to listen to. Not because we had a bad guest, not because we're, we're speaking gibberish. It was tough because, boy, that really forced me to look inside. That really forced me to look at the mirror. And I don't really like what I saw. Well, good. That's what we're supposed to do here. And that's exactly what Al's talking about. So, Al, we only have about two minutes left. So um, it is a tough question to answer in two minutes. But I think if anybody's up to it, you are. So let's just assume that somebody's listening to this today and says, you know what? I want to do a better job of choosing Christ. I want to do a better job of choosing life as opposed to the, these things that are stealing my happiness. These these thieves, these robbers, whatever it is in that person's life. What are two or three things that that person can start to do today to be better and more proficient at choosing Christ versus these other things of the world? Chase, trust, and believe. Some people say, oh, I have faith. Yeah, right. When it comes right down to it, they don't. Be real with yourself because God knows you. He knows me. He knows my shortcomings. We all have them. None of us are perfect, but we become perfect through Christ. So, and if you, and I'm serious, I have found that churches, if you go to a church, if you don't have a Bible, take your Bible along if you have one and get one if you don't. King James Living Bible, it's easier to read than the older ones. I have both. And open the Bible when the pastor opens up the Bible. Is it the word of God he's telling you? I've had people tell me, that's not what they tell me at church. I can't participate. I'm being told. 
What does the word tell you? If you don't get fit spiritually, please find a home where it's at and start opening that book. And start, if you want to find it easier in the New Testament, that's fine. But go back, look at the beginning. That's awesome, awesomeness. And like any job, you start at the beginning. Don't go and look at the book of Revelation. Oh, I'm confused. I don't know what this is. God does not give you confusion. It's not, he's not an author of confusion. Pray about what you should read before you open the Bible and have peace, his eternal peace, and trust the word and believe. It's a package, and he has it for all of us. Amen. Yeah, well, no, very well said. And one of the things that I'll leave you on here today, our listeners, is, again, one of the things that I've said previously is every guest of the C-Suite for Christ podcast is an official member of our ministry. These are individuals, whether they're in southeastern Wisconsin, Orlando, Dallas, Fort Worth, wherever. These are the people that comprise our ministry. And if you thought Al was inspiring over the course of the last 15, 20 minutes or so, imagining, imagine yourself fellowshipping with Al every single month or people like Al having these people pray for you having these people in your corner witnessing to you encouraging you breathing life into your soul this is what it's all about ours is a ministry with no agenda where we're not looking for lead passing or anything like that it's just how do we executives get together to encourage each other empower each other and make sure that we're in the best position possible to cover the world in Christ so Al Tim, the uh, owner and president of TFM Benefit Group. It is always a blessing to talk to you, my brother. And thank you so much for being so generous with your uh, words of wisdom here today. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you being my brother. And uh, you are doing the work for Christ and continued blessings always as the expansion goes international. Just exciting to see your work and the fruits of your labor which it's a labor of love. Thank you. Well, it, it certainly is. And right back at you, my friend. So we're going to be right back with some closing words. So don't go anywhere. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here on another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, just want to say thank you to C-Suite for Christ member, my brother in Christ, Al Tim, the owner of TFM Benefit Group. What a wealth of wisdom, isn't he? Just, just, just love his outlook on life. Plus the way he talks. It's, it's just, it's just, Unlike me, who's fast and machine gun rapid fire, slow, thoughtful, just just I love listening to his voice and the words that he says. And I pray that you found his words of wisdom of value today. Also, a quick recap of what we discussed today. Today's theme was stealing. You don't like to have anything stolen from you. It's not fun to have something stolen from you. And if somebody stole something in your life today, be it a tangible object, be it an opportunity, be it an idea, be it anything, the odds of you going back to that person, trusting that person and opening yourself up to that person aren't very high. So why do you do it with Satan every single day? John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The doubt that you hear, the anxiety that you get, the depression that you experience from time to time, those thoughts of inferiority, those thoughts of I'm not good enough, the thoughts of this will never work, the thoughts of I can't go outside of my comfort zone, that is all of Satan. That is all of the dark side. And he's doing that to steal you, to steal your happiness, to kill your soul, and to destroy your future. It says so in Scripture. So the common antidote to that, the, the, the best thing that we need to do is we got to get out of the dark side and we need to spend more time in the light, more time with Jesus, more time at church, more time in scripture, more time in prayer, more time in Bible study, more time fellowshipping with other Christians, because Jesus has come so that you may have life and not just life. You're not just going to survive. You're going to have it to the full and thrive. If you want to thrive, we would love it if you would prayerfully consider becoming an official member of the C-Suite for Christ ministry. It's our international collection of business executives. We get together on a very regular basis to pray for each other, 
to encourage one another and to witness to each other by spending time in the light, by spending time in the word, by honoring the Great Commission. Our lives are not perfect. They're not supposed to be perfect. We have peaks. We have valleys. We have sin. Those things happen. But we're called for fellowship. We're called to stand together. We're called to encourage each other. And we're called to cover the world in Christ. And it's my prayer that you will join us in this effort. Go to our website, csuiteforchrist.com, to learn more. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C Suite for Christ. Thank you so much for blessing us with your time here today, and we'll see you back here next time. Thank you for joining us on the C Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. I won't forget you, no, no, no. I won't forget you. You're like one of a kind and my eyes light up when I think about you. I won't forget you.